0: John chapter 15 has a very unique distinction. It is entirely red letters. The entire chapter is Jesus' dialogue with his disciples, and no other chapter in this gospel has that distinction. So what does Jesus talk about in all those red letters? Well, among other things, he gives a lesson on how to grow and care for grapes. And that's because Jesus is the vine. Welcome to episode 20, Divine and the Branches. Welcome back to the Rethinking Scripture podcast, where we like to rethink things we thought we already knew about the Bible. And I'd like to start this episode with some housekeeping items. We don't normally do this, but it's about time to clean up the house. This is the 20th episode, and there are some things that I just haven't mentioned yet. And the first is music credits. The music I'm using at the beginning and the end of each podcast is a song called Growth, and it was produced by Armani de los Santos. He's a friend of my son Jacob, and I'm very thankful, so thankful, that he has allowed me to use his work. And while we're talking about music, the music transitions that I use within the podcast have all been produced by my son Jacob. He gets on his computer, he creates some pretty great beats. And I'm able to use those each week. And this week, I added music credits to all the podcast notes. So you can find that information there as well. And secondly, on the housekeeping list, I'm getting ready to launch a listener challenge in the next couple of weeks. And don't worry, it won't cost you anything except maybe just a little bit of time. So what's a listener challenge? Well, one of the things that podcasters do is they spend the majority of their time reviewing and analyzing their analytics. This is the information that the podcast host, in my case, Simplecast, gives me that tells me a little bit about who my audience is, where they're listening, what time of day, that sort of thing. And let me just say the analytics are fascinating (laughs) i spend entirely too much time just looking at my podcast analytics page and one of the things that i've seen is that i currently have people listening in 22 of the 50 united states and my hope is to increase that to cover the whole country by the end of the year and i'm going to call it the all america listener challenge And so right now, I'm just giving you a little bit of a heads up. You'll be hearing more about that as soon as I can get my staff to put everything together. And by my staff, I mean me, myself, and I. So more about that real soon. And that concludes the housekeeping part of the episode. So now let's take a listen to a new transition piece that Jacob sent me just a few days ago. Well, this week, we continue our chapter-by-chapter progression through the Gospel of John. And each week, what we're doing is we're picking one or two things on which to focus. And this week, we'll talk a bit about viticulture, the process of growing and caring for grapes. But it's more than just grapes. There's a verse in this chapter that definitely needs some rethinking. We'll get into that more in just a minute. But first, a little bit of setup. John chapter 15 is a continuation of the conversation that began all the way back in John 13.1. It is a long conversation, and it is theologically incredibly deep. It builds on many ideas that are presented in other places in the New Testament. And like I mentioned in the opening, it's 100% red letters. The entire chapter is red letters. And it's the only one like that in the book of John. I mean, we're heading towards chapter 17, and that chapter can almost make the same claim, except for there's just a few words in the beginning of the first verse that intro Jesus' teaching in chapter 17. And Matthew chapter 6 is the only other chapter in the whole Bible that has this distinction. Now, with all that said, chapters are totally arbitrary, (laughs) and they don't mean much. But it is a distinction that we are wading into Jesus' teaching, head over heel. And so it's important to start out this chapter with an understanding of where he's headed. And we're going to be spending the majority of our time in the first few verses of chapter 15. So let's just dive in and take a look at these first few verses. Chapter 15, verse 1 starts out, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And again, I'm in the NASB version. That's the standard version that I usually work from. And they have chosen to describe the father's role in this description as the vine dresser. But sometimes that word for vine dresser is translated in a more generic term like a gardener or a farmer. And in fact, Wycliffe's old translation uses a great term, earth tiller, where earth is spelled E-R-T-H-E, and it's hyphenated. And while those more generic terms are used in different translations, gardener, farmer, earth tiller, the context of this passage in Jesus's teaching suggests that we're talking about somebody that takes care of vines specifically. So vine dresser is probably the most specific and best translation to be used. And now just a bit about vines. So I've mentioned it before. I live in Oregon's Willamette Valley, and we have become known for our grapes in recent years. Well, that's not exactly true. We have become well-known for our wines, but those wines come from grapes. So someone could be at my house and drive in almost any direction from my house and spend all day looking at hills covered in vineyards. But even though I'm surrounded by this stuff, that doesn't mean I know much about it. So today, we'll see what Jesus has to say about the care and maintenance of vines and how he uses that analogy for those who are attached to him through faith. So let's first just start with a little bit about the relationship that the branches have to the vine. Jesus, in verse 1, said, I am the true vine. And then he refers to his disciples and believers as being branches of that vine. So first of all, the vine refers to the whole plant. The plant is made up of the trunk, which is sometimes called the stalk, and the branches. But it's not just the trunk that is referred to as the vine. The whole thing is called the vine. In other words, the branches are as much a part of the vine as the trunk is. So when Jesus said, I am the vine here in the first verse, and later refers to believers or his disciples as the branches, he was talking about that type of relationship. Jesus is basically saying, you are an extension part of me. Your identity changes when you're attached to me. It reminds me of some language that Paul uses that is similar imagery when he talks about believers being members of a larger body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this in verse 12, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. So there in 1 Corinthians, Paul uses this imagery of one body made up of several different members or pieces of the whole. And when we come back into John chapter 15 and we look at this analogy that Jesus is giving, it's a very similar picture. The vine is one big whole and then the branches become a smaller part or smaller parts of the whole. And it was just in the last episode in John chapter 14 that we saw another example of this. When Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And in that analogy, again, you have a whole house and dwelling places or rooms are within that house. They are a part of the whole so, whether the Bible speaks of you as a body part, which is part of the person of Christ, or as a room, as a part of Christ, the temple, those are one theme using different metaphors. And here in John chapter 15, in the vineyard, you are a branch that is a part of Christ, the vine. The idea is that there's an organism, Christ. And sometimes he's depicted as a tree or a vine or a dwelling. And the life and spirit of Christ is in that organism. It's in Christ. And the purpose of that organism is the production of good fruit. And so to the extent that people are attached to that organism of Christ, they too then become producers of good fruit through their association with the larger whole. And that's what we see here in John chapter 15, is there's a whole lot of talk about production of fruit. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, he is describing a relationship that those two have regarding the production of fruit in the vine. And in a description of care of the vine, how does God take care of those who are in Christ to encourage growth or fruit production? And this leads us into the second verse in John chapter 15, and this is the one where all the problems are. It's a problem of translation, mostly. As we've talked about in earlier podcasts, coming from one language, either Greek or Hebrew, into any other language is a difficult process, and it's never going to be a perfect thing. What we have is an unfortunate description that ultimately has some theological consequences. So let me just read it out of the NASB, and then we'll take a look at some other versions. John fifteen two. every branch in me that does not bear fruit, there's that fruit bearing aspect, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And you may have Uh, heard some of that abide language, we're going to focus on how much abiding Jesus talks about. But that abiding that shows up in verse 4, and again in verse 5, in verses 6 and 7 and 9 and 10— It's all throughout this first part of the chapter that abide in me language begins here in verse 2 because it says every branch in me. He doesn't use the abide word, but he uses the in me distinction. And so he's talking about branches that are attached to him. And in the analogy, that just means that they are believers. They are attached to him through faith, a faith relationship. And so every branch... Every person that is attached to Jesus through a faith relationship that does not bear fruit, what happens to that branch? The answer to that is highly important. And it's unfortunate that we haven't done a better job of translating and describing what it is that happens to people that are attached to Jesus through faith that don't bear fruit. Well, in the NASB, it says, he takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. He takes away. And that just seems like he takes it away to a different location that's what the NASB says. Let's take a look at some of the other translations. The ESV also has takes away, as does the New King James Version. The King James has taketh away. Some versions just come out and get a little more aggressive with it, It says that he removes those branches. But the most unfortunate translation, in my opinion, is the NIV. Both the 1984 and the updated version of the NIV reads this way. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And the unfortunate part is the word in the Greek does not mean to cut off. John, the author, knows Greek words that mean cut off. He uses one later in John eighteen verse ten. You might remember that Simon Peter has a sword in the garden, and what does he do? He drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The, the cut off there is the more common word used in the Greek for that action. But back in John fifteen two, John chooses a word that means take away, to take up, or to pick up. Well, how can we know what John meant by the use of this particular word, the Greek word here in John 15 too? Well, one of the ways that translators look at things like this is they ask the question, did John use that particular Greek word anywhere else in his gospel? And the answer to that is yes. And so let's just revisit uh, two or three of those to give an idea of when John used this word to uh, lift up or to take away, how has he used that in his gospel and other places? The first time was in John 5, 8. If you remember in John 5, you've got a man at the pool of Bethesda and he is sick and he's laying on a mat and he gets healed that day. And in John 5, 8, Jesus says to that man, get up. Pick up your palate and walk. And the Greek verb behind pick up your palate is the exact same word that he's using here in John 15, 2, pick up. Also, in John 8, verse 59, the last verse in chapter 8, Jesus is in the temple. And he's done a remarkable job of making people really mad at him. And in verse 59, it says, Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The verb behind picked up stones, exact same word that he's using here in John 15, 2. And lastly, we haven't gotten there yet, but in John chapter 20, the very first verse of that chapter, it says, Now on the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. The verb behind taken away from the tomb is the exact same word that John chooses to use here in John 15 too. The idea of cutting something off here, a branch or a part of the vine, because it's not producing fruit is not what John is trying to communicate and the NIV's choice to translate that as cutoff is just unfortunate. But even take away a more appropriate translation of that Greek word, that verb, is still maybe a bit confusing. And it's here where we're going to just need to talk about how to grow grapes a little bit. You might have a picture of modern vines in your head that includes maybe stakes and wire holding the vines up. But in ancient Palestine, the vines were laid on the ground during the winter months to protect the plants. And as the plant matured and developed new branches, the vines would be lifted up from the ground. Because if they didn't do this, the branches would drop small roots of their own, and they would become less dependent upon the stalk or the trunk. And it's here where I'd like to bring some information in from the Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Commentary. And I'm somewhat familiar with the people that were involved with this. Earl Rodmacher, I've talked about him in previous episodes. He was one of my professors. He was the general editor. Ron Allen did most of the Old Testament work. And H. Wayne House, another of my professors, contributed to the New Testament. So I'm going to be reading out of that commentary But a lot of this information, I heard firsthand from the people that wrote it when I was taking classes in my master's program. Here's the note out of that commentary for John 15, 2 and 3. Every branch is said to be in Christ. Paul uses the phrase in Christ to speak of a Christian's legal and family position as a result of God's grace. The emphasis of in me in this passage, however, is on deep abiding fellowship So Jesus' purpose was to move his disciples from servants to friends. We see that in verses 13 through 15 of this chapter. Skipping ahead just a little bit uh, to the comments that they have about every branch and producing fruit And this taking away, this verb that we've been talking about, uh, here's what they say about that. No plant produces fruit instantaneously. And I'll just break away. That seems obvious. Even if we haven't been people that have grown vines of our own, we just know that you don't plant a vine and expect to get fruit the very first year off of those vines. In fact, there's usually a long maturing process before good grapes are actually starting to be produced. Back to the commentary, it says this, fruit is the result of a process. Such is also the case with believers. Those who are not bearing fruit, the vine dresser takes away, which has its basic meaning to lift up. And that's what we saw when we went to visit the other passages where John used that verb, right? Okay, so back to the commentary. They're going to explain a little bit about the productivity of this Palestinian vine growing process. When the winter weather was over and the time for productivity was approaching, the vine dresser would move through the vineyard, lifting the branches from the ground, where they had been the entire winter, and propping them up with stakes where they would receive some of the warmth of the sun. The heat promotes the ripening of the fruit. Furthermore, by getting the branches off the ground, it keeps them from sinking many tiny roots directly from the branch, Into the surface of the soil where the moisture is not sufficient to produce anything but hard, sour grapes. And I'll break away from the commentary because I remember Dr. Rodmacher actually telling the story of when this truth came to light in his life. He told the story of a trip that he was leading to Israel. And when they were on the ground in Israel, if you've ever been on a trip, you know that there's a lot of time in the bus where some teaching usually takes place. People get on the microphone and they do some teaching about some aspect of what they're about to see or what they just saw. And it was during one of these teaching times that Dr. Rodmacher had the microphone and he was standing at the front of the bus and he was talking to the people on the trip. And they just happened to drive by a vineyard. And Dr. Rodmacher looked out the window. He saw the vineyard and he yelled over the loudspeaker, Stop the bus! (laughs) And they slammed on the brakes and pulled over to the side. And Rodmacher got everyone off the bus and took them over to the vineyard. And he showed them how the vines were laying on rocks. One of the things they didn't have a lot of in ancient Israel was wood. We think of Jesus as a carpenter, but it's really, he was a stonemason. That's the Greek word behind the description for what he did with his hands. He worked with stone. There's rocks everywhere in Israel. And in ancient Palestine, they used rocks to lift up and prop up grapevines, get them away from the ground. And this is what Dr. Rodmarker saw that day on the bus when he pointed at it and he says that's John 15:2 right there and everybody on the bus was like what what are you talking about and then he went on obviously to explain Back to the commentary now. It says, if the branch is lifted out of the dirt, however, it is forced to get its moisture from the deep roots of the vine and produces luscious fruit. And so this is the key for John 15 too. This is the thing that we need to rethink, especially if you've been an NIV reader most of your life and you've come to know this passage as every branch in me that does not bear fruit gets cut off. That just seems rather drastic. But when it comes to viticulture, it doesn't make any sense because every branch does not bear fruit early in the process. And a master vine grower would be shooting himself in the foot if he just went through the vine every year. And if a branch didn't produce fruit, he'd just cut it off. All he would have is that little thing that goes into the ground, the stalk. (laughs) But that's not what vine dressers do. What vine dressers do is they care for those vines that aren't producing fruit so that they will produce fruit. And the way that Jesus is describing it here is that God, the Father, the master vine dresser, comes alongside people that are attached to Jesus in faith that are not yet producing good fruit as being a part of that vine. He lifts them up. He makes them less dependent upon the things that they become attached to from laying on the ground. He cleans them. He prunes them. That's what God the Father does. It's a great picture of caring for the vine. So let me read again. John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that's abiding, that idea of abiding— that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He lifts up. He pulls it from the ground. And why does he do that? To improve its fruit production. But that's not all he does, because there are other branches that bear fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. And then Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That sounds a little bit like the foot language that he used with his disciples earlier in the same set of chapters. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And while some people have read the cut off version of verse 2 and thought that that's what happens when God gets upset with people that aren't producing fruit, really a proper translation turns that into a caring hand that the vine dresser has to encourage fruit production where it's not happening. So, where is it that Jesus talks about those people that are trying to attach or hang around the vine but aren't really a part of it? Well, Jesus handles that down in verse 6. And specifically, this is the verse in the middle of his teaching where he contrasts on both sides people abiding in him. Here's the teaching right in the middle, chiastically positioned at the center point regarding the people that aren't abiding in him. And he says this, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them, The they there is unclear. Who is they? Uh, It's somebody else. Gathers them and casts them into the fire, and they are burned. So there's some theology there, but the key is, and I have it highlighted in my Logos Bible software, and if you could see it, you could see the chiastic structure because you have in me in verse 2, abide in me in verse 4, abides in the vine in verse 4, abides in me in verse 5, and then we get to verse 6. Right in the middle of this teaching, if anyone does not abide in me, here's what happens. And then Jesus chiastically on the other side of that, verse 7, abide in me. My words abide in you. Verse 9, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Keep my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus' focus is for those that he's teaching, his disciples, and they are attached to him through faith. And so he spends the majority of his time talking about the care that he and the Father have in producing good fruit out of those branches. But in the middle, he contrasts it with a statement about that one classification of person that does not abide. It's different if you're not attached to Jesus through faith. So we've got a bit of viticulture out of the way, but let's talk about the theology of the picture just a bit. Let's focus on the fruit from a theological standpoint, because according to John fifteen sixteen, it's all about the fruit. Jesus says that he had appointed them that they would go and bear fruit, and that their fruit would remain. So, what is it that Jesus is talking about when we talk about fruit? Well. Israel in the Old Testament largely, for large portions of their time, did not produce good fruit. But the command to the branches of the new covenant here in John 15 is to bear good fruit. We see it in verse 2, verse 8, and again here in verse 16. So what is that fruit? Well, let's just look at Jesus' teaching first. John 14, 27, if we just go back into last chapter, Jesus says this, My peace I give to you. Jesus is giving his peace to them. Peace when you wouldn't normally have peace. That's what Jesus is offering. Peace that you cannot produce out of your own efforts. Peace that the world sucks away. But Jesus says, my peace I give to you. John 15, 9, Jesus says, abide in my love. Love when you wouldn't normally have love is what Jesus' love is. It's the type of love that you can't produce on your own. It's the kind of love that the world sucks out of you. And Jesus says, here, abide in this love. In John 15, 11, Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. My joy, joy when you wouldn't normally have joy. It's a joy that you can't produce on your own effort. It's a joy that, left to its own, the world will suck right out of you. But Jesus says, I've given you my joy. If you stay attached to me, you have a joy beyond all joys. So we've got peace and love and joy just here in the teaching of Jesus. And we cannot generate any of these on our own. They are Christ's attributes, and they are passed on to us when we are attached to him in a true faith relationship. And you might recognize these as uh, fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Just hop over there to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, what is it? What's the beginning of that list? Those of you that memorized it for whatever program you were in in church. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy and peace. Among a lot of other things that are listed there, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those are fruits of the Spirit. But notice what he started with, love, joy, and peace. And these are the three attributes that Jesus, on the night of his arrest, says, I'm giving you these things— And all you need to do is abide in me. Stay connected to the vine and you will have access to these fruits and they will begin to display in your life. He says in verse eight, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. These are not good works that you're doing. This is the heart attitude that you are allowed to display, not in and of your own effort, but because you're attached to Christ, that He grants you the gift of. People will see a joy and they will wonder, where did that come from? And they will see you love and they will see you have peace when no one else has peace. They'll begin to ask the question, how do you get that peace? John chapter 15 Jesus gives us a beautiful analogy of a vine and its branches and the relationship that those have with each other in the production of fruit. He's even given us a great picture of what that fruit looks like, where it comes from, and how it's developed. But you might wonder, what would the world's response be when someone produces fruit like that? I mentioned earlier that all these aspects that Jesus is willing to give to us, they're things that the world likes to suck out of you. Well, what's the world's response when you display something within it that it knows nothing about? Well, Jesus actually even answers that question. Let's just look at verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. And that makes sense. If we go into the world and we're producing fruit in the idea of peace and love and expressing joy that the world knows nothing about, the world's not going to like that. Well, it's a good reminder for everyone, even for me. I I look at my own life and I ask myself the question, what kind of joy am I expressing Do I have peace that the world knows nothing about? And if not, what is it that the Father will be lifting me away from to make my fruit production in that area a little more profitable? Good questions out of John chapter 15. We've learned a lot about growing grapes, and we've even learned more about how Jesus and the Father interact with us when we're attached to them through faith. It's a good picture. Well, that's all I've got for today. And just a reminder that at RethinkingScripture.com, you'll find much more about Jesus' teaching here in these three chapters, and you can look it up under the Bible Studies tab at the website. In the next episode, we'll move even further into Jesus' discussion with his disciples the night of his arrest, and we'll examine what it means for the world to have its hour. But we'll contrast that with the idea that the Lord— as his day. Thanks again for listening, and please take some time to rate, review, and recommend to your friends the Rethinking Scripture podcast.